0: Welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm super excited for this episode today. I'm joined by Michaela Abettini, and we're going to be discussing her journey from youth sports all the way up to professional softball, where she represented the Italian national team in the European Championships just a few years ago, all the way up to her current role as a professional scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Michaela, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to work with you today.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here.
0: For people who might not be familiar with you, maybe they don't know your backstory in softball, or maybe they aren't sure what you're doing now. Would you mind filling them in a little bit about who you are and all the amazing stuff that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Michaela Abattini. I currently work for the Pittsburgh Pirates and based in Pittsburgh, but I started my career in baseball as a little softball player in New York, um, played high school softball in New York, then went on to play Division I, started out at the University of North Carolina, then went on and played at the University of Maryland, where I received both my undergrad and master's degree, and then with COVID and a redshirt year, I ended my last year up at Providence College in Rhode Island, so played six fun, packed, years of college softball. And then in the summers, I have dual citizenship. So I got the opportunity to play internationally and professionally over in Europe, competed for the Italian national team as a dual Italian American citizen. So once my career in softball was done, I knew I wanted to stay in sports and with my background as a softball player. And then growing up around baseball with my dad who owns Frozen Ropes which is a baseball and softball franchise that kind of specializes in player development. Kind of had a unique background to start out right now in scouting and then we'll kind of see where the rest of my trajectory goes as far as my career in baseball.
0: Yeah that's awesome that's very exciting and you know as we connected there I realized that there's not a whole lot of scouts that I meet in the MLB that are female. It seems like you're one of a very select uh, group. And I think that speaks a lot, Um, well, one, to an issue that maybe or maybe we won't talk about. Uh, But two, just your overall ability to kind of excel and kind of pave a path forward for yourself in what has been a traditionally male-dominated industry, for lack of a better way to put it.
1: Absolutely. Pretty much almost 99% of the time. There's been a few times that I've been with the Pirates in the past almost nine months now. I'm pretty much always the only female scout at the yard, which at first I thought it was kind of intimidating and uncomfortable, but now it's it's second nature to me. I'm just like, okay, this is this is normal.
0: Right, right. So walk me through the steps here. You mentioned originally, you know, you grew up playing softball. Was that something that you always enjoyed doing or always loved doing? Did it ever feel like forced on you or did you kind of feel that you were destined to play softball because of your dad and what he does with frozen ropes?
1: Yeah. So pretty much started, started out playing baseball when I was very young, probably around the age of like four or five. And then. Transitioned to softball. Probably, probably pretty much after that. I tried some other sports. Um, my parents tried to put me in like ballet, karate, horseback riding. They even tried soccer at one point. I was pretty fast, but just it wasn't for me. Uh, kind of knew that I wanted to specialize in softball pretty early on because I was pretty fast. I ended up doing track for two years in in high school, but with the same season I tried it one one time in the um, kind of the indoor winter season but then it kind of clashed with softball in the spring but that was fun doing that for I think two seasons of track but always kind of knew that if I wanted to play at the next level meaning after high school and you know be able to earn a scholarship and go play I knew that softball was going to be my my best route to kind of really focus in on that instead of trying to play a lot of different sports um, in high school.
0: And what did life like look for you, Um, you know, as you were growing up, was softball kind of your passion, your, you know, fill all your free time with softball, travel year round, that sort of thing? Or how did you kind of balance things athletically and personally growing up?
1: Yeah, so as far as balance, I mean, in high school, I think a lot of people that knew me Knew me as a girl that was playing softball. The girl that was committed to play Division One softball. There wasn't a ton of balance socially, but softball was my passion. And because I, you know, wanted to be a pretty good softball player early on in high school, probably in like seventh or eighth grade, when I decided that I wanted to play high-level college softball. One day, I fell in love with the weight room and how that was going to help me become a pretty good softball player. Because I knew that if I wanted to live out this dream of playing one day at the division one level that I needed to be strong and fast so besides the softball part kind of on the skill side um, developed this love for health fitness nutrition um, and that helped me become a pretty good softball player helped me get recruited and just develop kind of a side passion for me that has now taken off now that my softball career is over. It's something that I love and um, into every single day. I've got my personal training certification, love doing that kind of stuff on Instagram. So fitness and softball, that was what it was growing up for me.
0: So I love that you bring that up. First off, as you mentioned, you kind of realized early on that softball is your sport and you were very serious about it and you wanted to take it to the next level. And as a result, you took action, you did exactly what it would take in order to get there. And I think that there's a lot of people and I've even seen some where, you know, they want to play at the next level, but there's not the action and intention behind it. And as a result, you know, they're not always satisfied with the outcome, but by the same time, they're not putting as much effort in. And that can be tough, right? You're growing up, you're young, you're in school, you want to, you know, be friends with people, you need to make sure that you have enough time for practice, enough time to sleep, homework, school, all these different things. So I'm sure it's very difficult to be, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, trying to find time to get into a strength and conditioning facility and learn how to squat, how to bench press, how to do all these different exercises. Uh, properly, and then actually finding time to do them and be consistent with them and progress with them. But all of that helps you get to the next level. You know, I, uh, I don't necessarily think that strength and conditioning is like the one thing that will get you there, but I think that it will help. And I also think that it will prevent injury and injured athletes don't tend to improve in their sport when they're not playing, at least from what I've seen.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The injury piece is big. And I think for me, besides, you know, keeping me healthy, keeping me strong and mobile, that's kind of where I gained my confidence, my work ethic, and just that the courage to strive for these big goals is that, you know, as I learn these new techniques in the weight room, learn that being a female athlete and being strong and muscular like that was cool. That helped me on the field. Um, I think that did wonders for my confidence and my mental game, too, as far as how it helped me on the field.
0: Walk me through that a little bit more if you can, Michaela. I'm sure it's been, you know, a minute or two since you were in the middle school, high school era, Uh, But, you know, as someone who works with a lot of female athletes in the high school age range, especially every now and then I notice one who seems to be a little bit underweight or seems to make comments about, you know, not eating much or not eating at all, despite doing hours and hours of activity every day. And I feel like for many of them, there was some kind of barrier or stigma, or I'm not sure what the correct term is. Um, but many of them feel like they can't eat too much or, you know, they don't want to get too muscular or something like that. So walk me through kind of what you did when you were in that stage of life, I'll say, uh, and how you were able to kind of fall in love with the fitness, the nutrition, the, you know, performance side, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, I think back to my time when I was a female athlete, and I think I struggled with some of those things at the beginning too, you know, as far as, you know, wanting to be lean, wanting to have this six pack, you know, wanting to look a certain way. And it took me probably a few years to realize that, you know, what if I want to perform at my highest level, I need to think of food as fuel and that I'm burning thousands of calories from not only softball, but these workouts and that it, it, you're going to have to eat more than you probably want to. And that, you know, being lean is cool and thin, but it's even cooler to be strong and muscular and hit the ball really far and throw the ball really hard. So I know it's, there is a stigma kind of you see it outside of sports. You know, in you know the beauty industry, you see girls look a certain type of way and that's not necessarily how it is female athletes need to look like to perform at their best in terms of fueling and being strong and being powerful. So I think that, you know, developing, you know, this healthy and balanced relationship with food and training, it, it was definitely a learning curve, but just realizing that these are the things that you need to do in order to have enough energy to be strong inside and outside of the weight room on the field that, you know, it's, it's a lot more cool to be strong and powerful and energized and fueled properly. And it makes you feel good versus, you know, Hey, I don't really want to look how some of my favorite female athletes look. like. guess it's, it's cool to be strong and powerful and have these badass muscles. Like that's something that, you know, you look up to some of your favorites and ha- that now I feel like more girls are starting to realize, okay, you know, that's cool. That's kind of how I want to look and how I want to feel and play.
0: Right. It's the the way you explained it. It's almost like everything that you just discussed is part of the process to getting to where you want to be. It's part of the process to achieving your goals. And the other thing I think a lot of individuals forget is that you probably won't look like the 24-year-old athlete that you look up to at age 15, 16, Um, There's a little bit of an age difference. And, you know, it's okay to go through a period where you're not quite there yet. You know, I, um, I, I've looked at some stuff on body composition, and there's even some studies that show in certain sports, if your body composition is too low, uh, meaning you have too low of a body fat percentage, your injury risk actually goes up. So, you know, in some cases, it's not actually beneficial to literally be skinny and skin and bones or whatever slang term you want to throw at it. It can actually be more beneficial to do it right and recognize that performance is not always the most aesthetically appealing thing. And that's okay, uh, one. And two, um, what is aesthetically appealing to one person might not be aesthetically appealing to another. Um, So just because one person and maybe that person is yourself has an issue with physical appearance that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day Um, I think it's more important to as you mentioned be strong be confident and be comfortable in who you are and as you mentioned that carried over to your on-field performance that helped you mentally that helped you with your own confidence and I think that's something that the world needs a lot more of these days.
1: Yeah. I like what you mentioned about, you know, aesthetics and performance. I think early on beginners, whether it's in their fitness journey and their athletic careers, they set aesthetic goals. I want to have a six pack. I want to look a certain way. I want to lose weight, but it's really about not setting those aesthetic goals, but about setting those performance goals in and out of the weight room. Hey, I want to get my first pull up. Hey, I want to be able to hit the ball out dead center for a home run. So setting these kind of more process oriented, like we talked about before, that helps us get to a performance end goal versus I want to look a certain way. Um, I think that's that's been really helpful. And it's key for young athletes too, is making it about your performance in the weight room, trying to gamify and make it fun. And then how can what I'm doing in my lifestyle, my fitness, my nutrition, how can that help my performance goals as an athlete and become the best athlete I can be not to look a certain way while I wear the uniform or play my sport. I think that's really key.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I want to reiterate that that's coming from you, who is a scout for a professional organization. Um, So if you're saying, hey, you know, I don't care if you're 15% body fat or 18% body fat, if you're good at your sport, you're good at your sport, then I'm not really sure what else I can say to reiterate that point. I mean, I think you kind of take the cake there with that
1: yeah absolutely we recruit players of all different shapes sizes tall short it's not necessarily all about the body yes scouts we love to project on bodies that you know we think we can add strength to and that there's more more to gain more to add but it's really about the tools projection more than the body projection for sure
0: yeah exactly now walk me through We kind of talked on things up through high school, and we talked on a few essential points, I think, off of that. Now, at some point, you transitioned from high school to college, and you mentioned that you were there for about six years. So walk me through what that college softball process looked like for you and what it was like uh, at that time.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like a different lifestyle now that I've transitioned to the real world, but I have to keep reminding myself that this is only my... First spring, not playing softball. But I mean, coming from a small town in New York to then playing big time Power Five softball, it was definitely a transition. You know, you're coming, you're really a big fish in a small pond. And then you go to a school and you're suddenly a freshman and you're learning the ropes. And now you are a small fish in that big pond. So it was definitely a transition. But I look back, um, you know, What I learned as far as, you know, the intangible skills from being a competitive athlete, as far as, you know, building on that work ethic, the confidence, um, the courage to strive for goals that um, helped me in my career today, all of those things that you don't take, you kind of take for granted in the moment when you're in school, you're grinding it out, spending hours on the field, and then you have to go to study hall, it's your life is pretty structured, but I think that's kind of helped me now kind of build that same structure now, um, post softball, post college career, but some of my best friends and my best memories are from those times. And I look about, I look back at all the times that I failed. And in, in the moment I thought it was the worst when you would go over oh, four, you would make an error. And it was like, the world was crashing down. But all of those things I look back now is that was catastrophic in the moment, but I look now and I, wow, that really that made me a better softball player later in my career. Some of those you know, mess ups and not being able to come through in big time moments and maybe my freshman and sophomore year and how that progressed as I came on to be an upperclassman and just definitely some of the best times of my life to look back on with no regrets.
0: Well, that, and you can take what has happened to you and then turn around and use it to support the next generation, right? So sure, you know, everyone has to acknowledge the fact that they're going to leave the sport that they're playing at some point, right? Even professional athletes retire eventually. Um, So for you in college, going through some challenging times early on and then hitting that, you know, quote unquote, upperclassman status or level. You can then turn around and start to pay it back to the next generation because, you know, those freshmen or sophomores who's coming into your program, they're probably going to face similar challenges to you, right? You know, this is, this is their first time away from home, away from their family. This is their, you know, first time playing college softball. It's a whole different world. Uh, and, you know, in a sport where, uh, in college, where you can have 17, 18-year-old freshmen going up against 23, 24-year-old seniors in some cases, there's a huge difference uh, that six years can make there. So it can certainly be intimidating. And having people on your own team, such as yourself, who have experienced it and been in similar situations can certainly make that a better experience for all that are involved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know when I look back as far as leadership and trying when I was an upperclassman to take some of those younger freshmen and sophomores under, under kind of my wings there. My last year at Providence, you know, being the really old 23-year-old, um, I had a group of the freshmen. They all called me grandma. So they we developed a special relationship and, you know, just kind of being able to, you know, be a mentor for them um, and kind of guide them on all of the stuff that I went through early on in my own career and kind of show them the ropes and you know, as they struggle being there to, you know, being a shoulder to lean on and letting them know that, hey, like, it might seem like the end of the world right now, but it's going to help you in your career as you as you grow as a softball player from your freshman year to a senior. There's a lot of strides and a lot of roller coasters of up and down moments that are going to happen.
0: Would you say that those up and down moments make a sport like softball or baseball a bit more of a mental sport than a physical sport?
1: Yeah, I mean definitely there's percentages that people will throw out. Some will say it's 80% mental, others will say it's 99. I I'd probably lean more towards that 90 to 99%, I think it's definitely um kind of a sport where the mental game is a big priority especially As a hitter, when you're failing 70% of the time, you're considered one of the better hitters on the planet batting 300. So definitely a sport where you have to learn how to deal with adversity, how to bounce back pretty quickly. You don't have a day to bounce back. You have an at-bat to bounce back, or, hey, you just had a kind of a crappy at-bat. You got to go get your butt and go play center field. So you got to turn things around pretty quickly and Being able to be mentally tough, mentally strong and adjust and kind of not tie your self-identity and your self-worth as an athlete to your performance on the field, that is a whole different ballgame. And that is something that is challenging to master and kind of, you know, not get so tied down to. I know I struggle with it and a lot of other athletes struggle with it as well
0: what did you do about it? If you struggled with it, what was your kind of antidote to the problem?
1: Yeah. So I think having a community of people to lean on is important. My dad was big um, with that. He was kind of my role model, my hero, my person that I would vent to. So making sure that you have people in your life that you can vent to when it comes to your sports, your teammates. I had a kind of a handful of teammates that I know that I could, come to. Um, Then I I kept a journal. Uh, My dad coined the term, need to keep a jog, a journal of greatness. So that's kind of where you can go back And whether you have a highlight reel performance of a game or you go for four with three strikeouts. Hey, break it down. What happened? How are you feeling? What were your thoughts? What was your self-talk like? So being able to write things down that you can go back to and you know, hey, what was I feeling in that moment when I went four for four and made a diving catch or, hey, I didn't really have a good performance today. What was my self-talk like? What what was I doing pre-game? Like, how can we break it down? How can we adjust so that next time we can either try to repeat the same processes that got to that result or, hey, how can we look back and kind of alter and adjust it so we can get the desired result that we want? So I think having support As far as family members, loved ones, teammates to lean in on and then having tools and systems to recap your game, whether you keep a journal, you can keep a hardcover journal, you have the notes on your phone. It's pretty easy to do now. So just developing tools and some people like to visualize. I also like to visualize and meditate other things that you can do to kind of get you in that desired optimal level of performance um just not being on your going right to your phone and social media right after games i know that's so easy to do especially when you have a a tough game going right on your phone and calling it doom scrolling like we're just on social media we're not really paying attention to what the heck just happened how are we going to break down and have a better game next time if we if we don't kind of think about it and reflect on it
0: yeah, exactly. I can't echo your point enough about the importance of taking time to reflect on things. What, what, while what didn't go well. I like how you mentioned the use of journaling and meditation and other uh, forms of you know time to self-reflect and organize your thoughts because. In a world where we're constantly filled with noise and everything instantly, whether it be text messages or your groceries or your pizza delivery or whatever, uh, it's nice to kind of sit in a period of slowness at times. And, you know, I think you mentioned the, about the importance, too, of visualization. And there's uh, I can't forget this. Um, when I was in school for my doctorate degree, one of our professors on our first day Had us all do a range of motion thing while we were standing, and he wanted us to go as far as we could until it hurt. And then he made us all close our eyes and picture ourselves going further, and then he had us repeat it. And literally everyone in the class went further. It absolutely blew my mind, um, you know, about how effective just being able to step back from a situation and visualize what you're going to do and how you're going to do it can be Uh, and that's something that I feel like in a sport such as baseball or softball uh, it's not emphasized enough right I mean you look at the statistics or the math or data or whatever uh, you want to call it and it should be almost impossible to hit a baseball or softball as a hitter and yet people do it every single day Um, and I think that part of that comes from the ability to visualize that the ability to step back and be present in the moment but as you mentioned, if you're constantly distracted by the world, whether that be your cell phone after the game or just other things that are going on, then don't expect to achieve, you know, your top level performance in sport, uh, if you're not giving it your full attention, you know, at that time. That's not to say don't go live life, don't go have fun. Like you need to do those yeah. things. But it, it has to be a prioritization piece, I'll say.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I like you talked about with your example about the range of motion when I relate it to baseball and softball. It's really powerful to be able to hours before the game or the night before just being able to close your eyes and visualize yourself in the batter's box facing the pitcher that you're going to face the next day or standing out in the outfield, getting ready with your pre actions for the next pitch to come, you know there's a lot to be said about taking reps I was always a player that took way too many reps to get ready for games and probably definitely overtrained at times but with a sport that is so incredibly heavy on the mental game being able to you know, close your eyes visualize write things down you know I think as a player I probably should have taken those more into account than the physical reps so those those mental reps with the the meditation and the visualization and spending more time in the metal game. I can't stress that enough, how helpful that really is.
0: Now, how did all of this play into your professional career? Because you mentioned you traveled Europe and you played on the Italian national uh, softball team. So how did all of these, you know, things that we talked about from your high school and your college career impact your professional career in softball?
1: Yeah, I think, I know we talked about kind of that transition from, you know, playing in high school and then playing big time college softball. That was another transition from going to a completely different country where I spoke very little Italian to being around all these girls that I had never met before in a country that I'd only been in that I didn't remember when I was three, four years old. So that was definitely a culture shock. And an experience to an opportunity to once again, get outside of my comfort zone and see what I was capable of and be, um, you know, exposed to a different culture. Um, You know, I think it helped me grow as a person and as a player, but I had a really tough time adjusting. I was there, thankfully for more than a week because probably the first two weeks were a major adjustment. The, girls were were pretty welcoming but it was kind of like who's this who's this American at first so just kind of being able to you know develop their trust develop these relationships and doing that without they most of them spoke English so that was good but also just trying to be involved and learn but you know the getting outside of your comfort zone and hey let's let's see what happens this is a cool experience Either way, you are you have dual citizenship and you get to play the sport you love in another country. A lot of a lot of people don't get those opportunities. So I I saw it as an opportunity to take advantage of. And the reason that I did it in the first place was to honor my grandma who had just recently passed away before I went to Italy. She's the one that I went to Italy um as a as a young girl and she she was her parents were born over in Italy and she was the reason why I was able to get the dual citizenship in the first place so just playing for a bigger reason than you know performance and using it as an opportunity to get outside my comfort zone experience a new culture be around girls all while playing the game that I love at another level not just college like, that was an incredible experience
0: Certainly. And I love that you're able to kind of do that as sort of a personal thing to honor someone that was very close to you and your family. And it was also able to give you a very unique experience that, again, you can now look back on and reflect on and use to relate to other individuals. I think uh, anyone who has traveled abroad before can certainly realize or recognize that there's a lot of, I, I don't want, I don't know if the term is culture shock, but There's a lot of learning that can come from getting out of, you know, your hometown, so to speak. Um, Was there anything when you were in Italy and traveling through Europe that surprised you or caught you off guard that you were like, you know what, this is just really different than what I was used to growing up in America?
1: The kind of the, the pace of everything is a little bit slower. So that was that was something to kind of kind of get used to. One thing that I still have not gotten used to is, is a, a, a tribute to how good the food is in Italy. If, if anyone has never been, I can never eat pizza and pasta the same, um, literally the best food in the world. I I want to go back now as not a softball player, just to experience kind of the food and the culture more, but hands down the, the best food I've ever had. But yeah, just the pace of everything is a little bit slower. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. You know, sometimes you know in the u.s it's okay we have a schedule we have a studio so we do this we do this we do that we have dinner we we eat really fast and then we go on to our next thing in italy it's, it's totally different we we have conversations we are not on our phones um it's there's courses like it's this whole thing so i think just experience the culture the pace, the food that was an incredible experience
0: yeah definitely and as someone who has not traveled to Italy, I'm certainly very jealous of some of the different things that you mentioned there. I uh, I can't wait to get over there and try some of those different foods. Uh, I'm certainly a big foodie myself. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, um, do, were you able to keep like relations and connections with some of the people that you played softball with while you were abroad? Or how were you able to stay connected with uh, athletes that you were playing with?
1: Yeah, so you know, with social media, it's pretty easy these days as far as staying connected. Um, I also had the opportunity. So at first, it, it wasn't just me being the only Italian American. So I, I developed these close relationships with these other um, Americans that have this Italian citizenship as well that I still keep in touch with. And there are some girls that are still over in Italy that are full Italians that I'll still connect with. I'll still connect with some of the coaches of the teams that i played on, both the professional team and the national team. Um, There was a a level of interest, a little bit on my part. They wanted me to come back and play professionally after I was done playing softball, but I knew that this opportunity with the Pirates, I couldn't pass it up. And I knew that I loved softball, but it was time for me to um, take a next step in a sport that was not softball and transition to baseball. So definitely miss it. Um, But I think I think I picked the right path and a lot of good memories to reflect on back on my time in Italy playing softball.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I love that you're looking at things with no regrets. And ultimately, it sounds like softball made you the person that you are today. And, you know, I might make this assumption that if it wasn't for you doing what you've done in softball across your years, you might not be where you are today currently in your role with the Pirates.
1: Absolutely. My my dad has said that multiple times that, you know, the, the different places that I went in my softball career, all the different stops along the way, the doors that were open and closed, my opportunity in professional baseball would not have happened if it wasn't for the crazy trajectory of my softball career. So I I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, definitely. So how did your experience playing softball and traveling the world with softball impact your ability to scout and evaluate a baseball player?
1: Yeah. So you kind of mentioned the, the traveling, that was always something that was really interesting to me, being able to travel across the country across the world to play softball. I was like, wow, I get to experience all these as a player. That's something that I want to combine in my, my next career. I want to be able to travel. I want to be involved in sports. So I think that kind of set me up, hey, how can I mold this traveling and sports into a career? So that kind of made me interested in pursuing this career in baseball. As far as the evaluating part I found there's a lot of similarities in evaluating position players and hitters it's definitely been more of a learning curve for me trying to evaluate pitchers that's something that I'm getting better at but obviously pitching is very different in softball than it is in baseball but um, very similar in terms of softball swing is the exact same as a baseball swing um, a lot of the positional evaluation as far as infielders catchers outfielders very similar, all things that I grew up around, um, that I was exposed to as a player. So there's been a lot of learning and development here with the Pirates, but all a lot of the foundation started with my experience as a player, and then being involved in baseball on the the player development and training side with Frozen Roads.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I love that, and um, you know, as you were talking there, I have to ask. When you're evaluating a player in baseball, is it the skill alone that you look at, or are you looking at more of the kind of depth of the player, I'll say? And what I mean by that is we've been talking on the podcast for over half an hour now about you and your story and your journey, and that's impactful and it's inspiring. And every athlete that you meet and work with is going to have their own story, Is that something that comes into the scouting process or is scouting solely based on physical skill and performance on the field?
1: Yeah, so you kind of have to take all of it and you have to bake it into the pie, right? So you have what we call in baseball, your makeup, which is kind of the mental side of the game. What are those kind of intangible traits, your ability to compete, uh, your ability to you know, thrive under pressure, how you handle adversity. Are you a good human or are you going to get kicked out of our spring training facility? So all of that goes into how we evaluate. It's definitely a part as far as, you know, how are you as a human and how do those traits kind of impact your ability as a baseball player to handle failure, to be a good teammate. So it's, it's not just about the tools, the athleticism, how we're grading you on our 20 to 80 scale how you are as a person and how you know that affects your ability to handle failure and be a good teammate, that definitely plays a role. I don't want to say one plays a bigger role than the other, but it it's all looked at. It's all evaluated.
0: I'm so glad that you bring that up. And I'm so glad that you look at all of those things, Michaela, because as, uh, again, as someone who tends to work with a lot of athletes, I've seen a lot of athletes with just incredible character, incredible work ethic. And they are truly dedicated and driven to what they do. And I have no doubt that, you know, if a scout came around and met them or talked with them, they would have a similar impression. Uh, By the same token, there's other uh, athletes that, you know, colleagues of mine have worked with and that sort of thing that they don't seem to have the same work ethic. They don't seem to have the same grind commitment, I'll say, um, but they're really good at their sport. And, you know, I, I think it's important to note that, If you're trying to be the athlete at the next level, that it goes into more than just how you perform in a single game, or it goes into more than, you know, one statistic, it goes into the kind of person that you are, the kind of player that you are, and ultimately the kind of teammate you are, right? You know, any professional sport is going to have a weakest link statistically, but that doesn't mean that this weakest statistical link is the weakest link on the team, That person could be the best motivator. They could be the best, um, you know, inspiration. They could be the best person for all of the other teammates to go to when something happens. They could also lead the team in assists. You don't have to be, you know, number one in home runs or number one in, you know, point scored or anything like that to be an effective player and an effective athlete. There's, you know, a time and a place, I would say, to be the supporting role. And I think that a lot of athletes, um, at least from my experience, get so caught up in the performance side, and they sometimes forget all of the other stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think especially when you get to compete at higher levels, there's, you know, a lot of people where, you know, the skill sets are the same, and what's going to set you apart, you know, when you're not doing too good, you're in a slump, how can you bounce back out of that if you don't have those tools in your mental toolbox to get you out of that funk. Or if you're a really bad teammate that no one wants to be around, like that's no fun to have that kind of guy in the clubhouse. So I, it, it definitely matters and is important.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All of that um, comes into play and comes into consideration. And ultimately when you go to the professional level, I mean, you lived it yourself. Um, you don't always, have the you know largest support system I'll say you talked about support systems earlier unfortunately I would imagine when you're traveling across the world your entire family and friend group doesn't travel with you so in in one capacity it's great to have them and be able to lean on them but in another capacity you have to be capable of standing on your own in times of trial
1: absolutely yeah having a a supportive community of friends, teammates, loved ones, is huge.
0: Michaela, uh, as we start to wrap up here, is there anything that we missed or anything we didn't discuss enough about relating to your journey as a softball player turned professional scout in the MLB?
1: Um, I don't don't think there's anything that we missed. I think the big things are it all started with softball and softball kind of spurred that love for fitness as well as nutrition and you know doing everything I could to be the best softball player that I could be and then how that love for softball turned into transitioning to baseball and that I still kind of get to do my career in baseball and then kind of my my side passion I'm still involved in the health and fitness space so that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell softball health and fitness and baseball that's 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 Mick (laughs)
0: Tell me more about your involvement in the health and fitness space. And, you know, if someone wants to check out your website or anything like that, where can they find you at?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now, I'm um, actually taking some more online clients. So if anyone wants to train with me, whether, um, you know, just general strength and conditioning or especially um, I have a, a group of girls that I train that are, you know, mini me's that wanted to one day learn how to play at the next level so those high school and middle school athletes that are softball players that want to learn and be exposed to what it's like to be in a college weight room at um you know the college softball level but my website is mcabs m-i-c-a-b-b-s dot com and then on instagram i post workouts health fitness nutrition, mindset, all of that on Abs underscore fit. So that's me on the health and fitness space.
0: I love that. And for people who want to check out Frozen Ropes, because you mentioned that a few times, where can they find out more about Frozen Ropes at, Michaela?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, it's Frozen Ropes USA. And then you can go to the frozenropes.com website. There is a handful of locations across the country. So there might even be one close to wherever the listeners are coming from. So they could definitely check that out if they're interested in baseball, softball, from a training, lessons, tournaments, um, clinics, camps, all of that is what Frozen Reps is all about.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We'll be sure to link to all of that below. And, um, you know, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but I know you have a blog on your website as well. And that can probably be a great source of diving into more information on a lot of the things that we talked about today as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like to write about all things, sports performance, baseball, physical health, even professional growth as far as career conversations. And then very interested in the the personal development as far as um, self-awareness concepts and habits I'm huge into habits and routines. So if any of those things are interesting to any of the listeners, definitely check out the blog on my website.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Michaela, always a pleasure. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Dan. This has been great. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend. Subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.